California lawmakers are considering a bill that would make it illegal to deny that the climate is changing catastrophically due to human activity. The bill, if it becomes law, would solve the pressing problem of California lawmakers having too much time on their hands and being unable to get dates. The California bill would punish climate change denial by forcing the denier to stand outside until the climate changed catastrophically, causing him intense suffering, or until he died of old age, whichever came first. Among other things, the bill would make it illegal to point out that every single prediction ever made by a climate alarmist has turned out to be utterly false. So, for instance, in 1989, United Nations environmental official Noel Brown warned that we had only a decade before entire nations were wiped off the face of the earth due to climate change. Under the new law, Californians will now be forced to say he was correct, and entire nations will be deemed not to exist, beginning with Venezuela. Likewise, in 2009, UK Prime Minister Gordon Brown said there were only 50 days left to save the world. Under the California law, the world will be deemed to no longer exist, and talking about the world as if it were still there, or taking a walk in the world as if it continued to be under your feet, will be punishable by fine and imprisonment. California State Senator Slackjaw McStupidface issued a statement about the bill saying, quote, Climate change denial cannot be allowed because we're running out of time. It's now June, and in as little as two months, it could get so hot that people will be forced to move to the coasts and strip down to skimpy clothing and even throw themselves into the ocean to cool off. Soon they may be reduced to throwing large multicolored balls back and forth over the sand or standing on long polyurethane boards to enable them to ride over the waves while shouting cowabunga. You can laugh all you want, but this nightmare could really happen." Unquote. California lawmakers say climate change denial could also hurt the local economy in Hollywood by making environmentalist movie actors look like gullible buffoons who had fallen for a ridiculous hoax obviously designed to scare people into accepting more government control over their lives. California State Assemblywoman Catherine Gasbag told reporters, quote, Who would want to go see Leonardo DiCaprio chase down a master criminal or save the world from aliens if they know in real life he'll believe any damn thing anyone tells him like some kind of child or something? The California bill was written by Jose Self-Deceptionado, the same man who wrote the New York City law making it a crime to call a woman a man, to call a man a man if he says he's a woman. Self-Deceptionado says, quote, I dream of a day when speaking the truth will be outlawed everywhere. When that day comes, it won't just be morning in America, it'll be good morning America in America all day long. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. <coughs> I'm choking on the stupidity of California. I'm sorry. I'm going, I, have, I have the stupidity of California stuck in my throat, I think, is the problem. So it's California. California, which always believes it's the center of the world, is now the center of the world. Here we are. We're having the big primary. And there's one in New Jersey and a couple of other those flyover states somewhere. I don't know where. Who, who knows? Who the hell knows where they are? And that, that this will decide. And now the press has moved into full dirtbag mode. It's as, it's, as if, it's as if the media had a head quarters somewhere, like in that film with Jim Carrey where the guy sits in the moon and, and runs into people's lives, you know? It's like somebody's going like, all right, we're moving into dirtbag mode now. Start lying about everything, you know? And so we have, the thing is, we now have the two candidates pretty much. So, but but Hillary is in danger of being humiliated in California. I don't actually think that's going to happen, just judging by the way the Sanders people and the Hillary people are talking. But it could. She could actually be humiliated in the biggest, bluest state in the union. So what does the press do? They declare her the victor. They declare yesterday the Associated Press comes out 
And NBC follows suit, and they declare that Hillary has now won the nomination. She has enough delegates. Here's Chris Hayes, the snarky guy from uh, wherever he is, MSNBC, announcing that it's all over, so there's no reason to go to the polls. And the reason the AP has made this call, <laughs> and NBC News is now making this call, is that additional superdelegates have been interviewed who have pledged and committed to reporters, to our news agency, to AP. They will indeed be supporting Hillary Clinton. Those additional superdelegates are what are pushing Hillary Clinton above the 2,383 needed in total to get to the nomination. That said, I should be very clear, nothing has changed with respect to pledge delegates, and there are still a lot of those on stake. And tomorrow, we expect, she will clinch the lead in pledge delegates, which if you're someone who worries mostly about what the voters in the Democratic Party say as opposed to the leaders, that is the number that has been key. It's the number that makes it almost impossible to overturn. But right now, NBC News, due to interviews with superdelegates, is declaring that she has reached the threshold above 2,383 to be the presumptive nominee for the Democratic Party. Hold the press. Big news. Nothing has changed. This is, and, this, and this was reported in, in the Wall Street Journal, in the New York Times. It was reported everywhere. And the reason it's baloney, the reason it's complete nonsense, is because the superdelegates don't vote until the convention. So they can, you can call them up and interview them, and they can say, yeah, I'm voting for Hillary. But she could be indicted. They, she could be carted away. You can't take me, you lousy screws. I'm the Democrat nominee for president. You know, they could clang. You know, she could be behind bars. You know, I used to be, I used to be the Democrat nominee. You'll never take me alive. Anything could happen. And so this is a non-news story. But, you know, why, why suddenly is this a news story? Why suddenly does the AP get on the phone and start calling these super delegates who you know I mean superdelegates are out saving cities they're rescuing Lois Lane they you know they don't have they they're busy they're busy and suddenly they're calling them up why suddenly well because <clears throat> she could get humiliated in California and if she's humiliated in California what's that going to mean it's going to mean they could still be an open convention Bernie Sanders you know has no reason to step down and that means that Donald Trump could could start to win so Hillary can now smell this thing, right? And she has put in, do we have that? Do you remember the Manchurian candidate? Not the new one, the old one with Frank Sinatra, where the, the guy is, uh, is brainwashed. And whenever he sees the Queen of Diamonds, he becomes a Chinese agent. So there's this one scene where the beautiful girl shows up with the Queen of Diamonds. So remember, Trump said that Hillary was playing the, the woman card. Well, now she looks like this. She's got the woman card. She is throwing, she is all in. She is all in. So they ask her, here she is talking about how important it is that the first woman be elected president. My supporters are passionate. They are committed. They have voted for me in great numbers across our country for many reasons. But among those reasons is their belief that um, having a woman president will make a great uh, statement, a historic statement uh, about what kind of country we are, what we stand for. It's really emotional. And I am someone who um, has been very touched and really encouraged by this extraordinary conviction that people have. It's predominantly women and girls, but not exclusively. Men bring their daughters to meet me and uh, tell me that they are supporting me because of their daughters. And I do think it will make a very big difference for a father or a mother to be able to look at their daughter just like they can look at their son and say you can be anything you want to be in this country, including President of the United States. 
I'm so moved. And you know, she and she and she sounds she sounds she sounds like dead. I'm dead inside. I've searched for power so long that it's eaten my soul, and I have nothing to offer anyone. But I'm still say these words come out of my mouth, and I rise from the dead. You know. So so okay. So she's playing the woman card with everything she's got. She is now dressed in the woman card like the girl in the Manchurian Candidate, and the media take this up. Here is this. This is an astounding for me piece of paper. And I, I purposely left in the first part. It's a little hard to hear. Bernie Sanders is giving a press conference, and this dame reporter starts shouting her question. And it's such an important question. It's such a that she won't. Sanders, in case you can't see it, and you should be able to see it because you should subscribe. You should be subscribing so you can because the mailbag is tomorrow, right? So you got yeah, you got subscribe. <laughs> subscribe so you can be in the mailbag and so you can see the stuff. But for those of you who can't see, you know, you may be living on a pension. You don't want to, you know, spend the eight dollars a month that it takes to subscribe. I'll describe this to you. Bernie is trying to call on a reporter, and this whim, woman will not shut up. She's got this question. It's so important. The entire fate of the republic hangs on this question. And because it's a little hard to hear, I'll tell you what she says. She, she, the question she asks him is, what do you say to women who say it's sexist of you to stay in the race because you're standing in the way of the first female president. And this question needs to be asked, right? Because what a horrible thing for Bernie to do. She's taking up the woman card. So listen to, listen to Bernie trying not to call. He's trying to call on somebody else, but the woman will not let him do it. What do you say to women Excuse who say, me. what do you say to women, what do you say to women who say staying in the race? What do you say to women who say Excuse staying me. in the race? Excuse I'm me, ma'am. Well, your other hands are up as well. Did Jeffrey, do you have a question? What do you say to women who say that you staying in the race? What do you say to women who say that you staying in the race is sexist because there is standing in the way of what could be the first female president? Is that a serious question? Yes, it is a serious question. That any woman who is running for president, anyone who opposes your your question implies that any woman, that any person, any woman who is running for president is by definition the best candidate. So any woman who runs. But you also have to, to say that it is sexist that any. So if Hillary Clinton runs for president, is your point that it is sexist for any man to oppose her? No, my point is that if she has more delegates than you tomorrow. Well, that's another point. Weight, that that is. Race, that is not. Sexist. Well, I don't think it is sexist. Uh, I think the issue is first of all, uh, our focus right now is running uh, and winning uh, right here in California, uh, and. That's point that I have made uh, is that um, it is absolutely imperative that we defeat uh, Donald Trump uh, as president of the United, uh, as, as a candidate for president of the United States. I believe I'm the stronger candidate. You, you know how when the Democrats, when the left talk about supporting black people, their idea of black people is always the worst person. It's always the thug on the street in the hoodie with his pants hanging down. That That's supposed to be black culture to them. You know, it's not the cop who shoots this kid who needs to be shot. You know, it's not the black cop. He he goes on trial because he's just the, like an arm of white power. It's when they, whenever Same thing with women. You know, when they talk about women, it's women like that, that noisy, shrill woman who will not stand down until she asks a meaningless, stupid, senseless question. <laughs> you know, it's not like it's not like Bernie, you know, did I see you coming out of like a bordello, you know, or Bernie, did I see, did you, did you rip off Vermont by stealing money? No, it's like, aren't you a sexist for still being, for still living, you know, <laughs> still being here, you know, you're, you're old, look at you, shouldn't you be dead by now for crying out loud, we're trying to get a woman into office, and meanwhile, Bernie, who has been, Bernie in a lot of ways has been one of the worst candidates ever, because 
Because the funny thing is, is like guys like communists and uh, yesterday we were talking about Muhammad Ali going over to the uh, the black Muslims, basically. These guys, one of the ways they gain power and one of the ways they become appealing is they come into a democratic, pluralistic society which tends toward corruption. Democrat societies get corrupt, you know, because there gets to be cronyism, people buy people off. And these true believers, these Nazis, these communists, these black Muslims, they're not corrupt. They're not corrupt. One of the things about Bernie is he's an honest, terrible person supporting a terrible philosophy. I mean, this is a guy who took his honeymoon in the Soviet Union while people were being tormented and gulagged and all this stuff. So he's not, you know, he's not really a moral person, but he is not corrupt and he believes in this thing. One of the reasons he's been such a terrible candidate is he won't hit Hillary where she lives on her corruption. You know, forget about the damn emails. And now finally, as the as the curtain is drawing to a close, as he's obviously getting a little desperate, finally he goes on with Jake Tapper and he he talks about the Clinton Foundation. I mean, this thing is so dirty, this Clinton Foundation. We're, we won't talk about it all today, but there's so much stuff behind it. But one of the things behind it is that it has taken somewhere like $100 million from these horrible Muslim states like Saudi Arabia, where women are treated like garbage. I mean, women are treated like women can't drive in Saudi Arabia, let alone do anything. You know, they can't go out. So, so here's Bernie finally coming out and saying, and maybe this bothers him a little bit, you know. You have not been critical of the Clinton Foundation, but, but there are those who say that there's something inherently wrong with an American charity, especially one with ties to a Secretary of State taking money from the Saudis and yeah. other foreign governments that don't represent our values. Is that a fair criticism? Yes, it is. It is. If you ask me about the Clinton Foundation, do I have a problem uh, when a sitting Secretary of State and a foundation run by her husband collects many millions of dollars uh, from foreign governments, uh, governments which are dictatorships? Uh, you don't have a lot of uh, civil liberties uh, or democratic rights in Saudi Arabia. Uh, you don't have a lot of uh, respect there uh, for uh, divergent, for uh, opposition points of view, for gay rights, for women's rights. Uh, uh, yeah, do I have a problem with that? Yeah, I do. You think it, it, it creates an appearance of, of conflict of interest? Yeah, I do. I do. So, so the left has been trying this year, because they're always looking for new things to be outraged about, and they're always looking for injustice, and now they've gotten down to like finding individuals who have injustice against them and making, turning them into a movement. The left has been trying to convince us that your genitalia is not what determines your sex. So you might have male genitalia, but you can declare you're a woman, vice versa. But the only thing that Hillary Clinton offers women, the only thing Hillary Clinton offers women is basically her body makeup. I mean, that's it, because she's taken money from these places, and it it looks like at least there is the appearance of doing favors for these places that treat women terribly, that treat women like, you know, property, basically, and, and do things that no Western man, no Western government would think to do, would ever think to do. And and so, it, and so it's just, it's completely ridiculous what's going on. Now, this, this corruption is only part of what the press is, is not looking at. I mean, you know, this is, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it's worth talking about. 
You know that gorilla? I haven't talked about the gorilla. And the reason I didn't talk about the gorilla is because I don't care about the gorilla. I, you know, I, I will tell you all, in all honesty, I love animals. I can sit and watch animals forever. <clears throat> they come about 100 on my list of important living things. The first 99 are human beings, all of them, okay? And then I get to animals, but I do love them. And one of the things I hate about PETA and all these radicals is they, they make the argument for treating animals better, which we should. They make it ridiculous. You know, they put they put human beings second to animals. And animals, all of, all of the worth of animals comes from human beings. Nothing is fast unless a human being sees it because the word fast, the concept of fast, only exists in the mind of human beings. Nothing is beautiful except a human being sees it because that exists only in the mind of human beings. Also in the mind of God, but that's not here on earth. Here on earth, it's all in the mind of human beings. So human beings are what give animals their value. So they shoot the gorilla. The gorilla, gra the kid falls into the gorilla enclosure at the zoo. They shoot the gorilla. They had to. There was no question. There's no controversy there. Listen to this, though. On Saturday, a gorilla named Haramba was shot after a toddler fell into the animal's enclosure at the Cincinnati uh, Zoo. Last year, <clears throat> masked ISIS militants forced 21 Coptic Christians to their knees before beheading them on camera. Donning orange jumpsuits, the Christian men were martyred on a Libyan beach. We all remember this. ABC, CBS, and NBC spent six times more on the death of one gorilla than they did on the mass execution during their morning and evening news shows. Six times more on the stupid gorilla. I mean, that gorilla story, it is a story because it's sad. You know, it's a, it's a precious animal. That's a story we used to call, and finally, you know, at the end of the news story, after you tell people all the important stuff, you say, and finally, a sad thing happened at the Cincinnati Zoo. This gorilla got shot. You know, uh, you, I, I wonder, do you even know about these 19 Yazidi girls? Did you hear this? This is five days ago. They were burned alive because they refused to serve as sex slaves of the, uh, of the terrorists in Mosul, right? 19 girls burned to death. You know, I heard about it on Twitter. I, I saw it on Twitter. I'm, I'm reading it off a, a Christian Today uh, website. Okay, that's not what they're not covering overseas. But here, this thing about corruption is amazing. Yesterday, you may have heard, if you were watching like Fox News or reading the op-ed, the opinion page of the Wall Street Journal, you may have heard that the Eternal Revenue, the internal, Eternal Revenue Service, the Internal Revenue Service finally handed over the list of organizations it had targeted for uh, persecution, basically, because they were conservative. They went on their computers and they hunted down words like Tea Party, uh, you know, Liberty, you know, Constitution, Patriot. Those are the things, those are the things they hunted down. We gotta get those patriots. We gotta anything that has to do with liberty, we gotta put an end to that. Finally, they released this list. It's almost twice as many as they said, 426 groups. This is three years of lawsuits, three years of lawsuits, and the, the list doesn't include 40 groups that have already opted out of the suit, which brings the number to 466. The, they then added, apparently, this is the charge of the people bringing the suit, that they added a few liberal organizations with the word Occupy in them, just a few, to make it seem like maybe they had done that, but those came later. This is the Wall Street Journal on their uh, editorial page. The agency would have turned, wouldn't have turned over even these names if not for the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, which in March excoriated the IRS for stonewalling on NorCal's discovery request and ordered the list release. I mean, this judge finally went ballistic. He really, he really gave it to him and forced. Have you read about this anywhere? It's I, I looked through the New York Times. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's there. But if it was, it's buried. I mean, you only have to imagine. I know I get I get 
Even I get tired of saying this, but you only have to imagine if George W. Bush had targeted Occupy uh, things, if he had targeted anti-war groups. I mean, this would have been, it, the movie would be out by now. The yeah. movie would be out. Sean Penn and Tom Hanks would be in this movie, you know, about the, the evils of the, you know, how do we find it? They'd be heroically exposing this. They'd be running down dark alleys with, you know, bull, bullets like passing by their ears, you know, as they exposed George W. Bush using the IRS. At least it's not the Justice Department. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> the Justice Department. U.S. District Judge Andrew Hannon has instructed U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch to institute a five-year ethics training program for any lawyer seeking to appear in any of the 26 states that participated in the immigration case. This is where they sued, saying Barack Obama did not have the right to give these uh, people a pass, these illegal immigrants a pass. So... <laughs> This is, this is amazing. These Department of Justice lawyers went before the judge and said nothing to hear, nothing to see here. DOJ lawyers repeatedly and deliberately lied to the judge and to the opposing counsel. On several occasions, the lawyers assured the court that the government would not implement the president's new and improved immigration policy before a certain date. As they knew very well, though, the government had already processed upward of 100,000 licenses under that policy. DOJ's explanation is that its lawyers Lawyers lost focus on the fact. They forgot that they, this was happening, okay? That's probably another lie. What, what am I reading here? This is the, um, this is a, um, the Liberty Law site. Sorry, that's the Liberty Law site. That's probably another lie. The point of withholding the information was to prevent the states from requesting a temporary restraining order. So they said that, you know, you don't have to restrain Obama. There's nothing to restrain. It's not happening. It's not happening. So the judge is saying, these guys have got to take an ethics class. Ethics class? They should take a class in prison. They should take, they should take a license plate making class, you know? I mean, this is like amazing. So you've got, you got the IRS has been corrupted by Barack Obama. You've got the Justice Department has been corrupted under Barack Obama. And you've got David Brooks at the New York Times saying, isn't it wonderful there are no scandals under the Obama administration? Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, you know, it's like they create their own reality, and then they live in that reality. So it's like Harambe. We've got to, we've got to report on the guerrilla Harambe because it's, it's in the news. It's in the news because you're putting it in the news. It's like these guys, these guys are living in this echo chamber. So it's awful, all right? But the only, so, the, so the scandal, the way this works, as we all know, right, is during the uh, nomination process, as the parties are picking their candidates, the press goes and supports the most liberal Republican, John Kasich or Jeb Bush or whatever. You know, Jeb Bush, that's a little unfair, but they'll point that either the weakest guy, they'll go after John McCain, Mitt Romney. Then the minute the candidates are chosen and the battle lines are drawn, they turn on him. You know, it's the coyote effect. Coyotes come down. This is, this is true. We have a lot of coyotes in California, up in the hills where I live. Coyotes come down and they'll send a female coyote to entice a male dog away from his home. And the female coyote will come down alone and lead the male dog away. And then the pack comes out of nowhere, surrounds it, and devours the dog. This happens all the time. This is the way they work. That's the way the press works. The press comes down. They say, oh, John McCain, you're such a rebel. You're such a maverick. You know, you're such a, you're your own man. We love you. We love you. We love you. Until he's running against Barack Obama, then he's the worst person who ever lived. He's angry. He's mean. He's nasty. He's got funny arms. You know, there's nothing right. He's corrupt. He beats his wife. Whatever whatever it is, that's what they turn on. So now they're turning on Donald Trump. And the problem is, as you were warned on this show, 
He fits the bill. He's the guy. He's the guy they said he is. You know, he's still talking about this stupid lawsuit about Trump University where he says the guy can't give a fair decision because he's a, a Mexican. The guy's born in Indiana of Mexican descent. And, you know, the, the problem with this is, is like they will call any of us racist. They will call any Republican racist. But he's racist. It's a ra that's a racist thing to say. So now he's kind of dialing it back a little bit. He's on with O'Reilly. Here he is with his latest manifestation of this. I don't care if the judge is Mexican or not. I'm going to do great with the Mexican people because I provide jobs. So I don't care about Mexican. But we're being treated very unfairly, Bill. Very, very unfairly. Okay. So wouldn't it have been better then if you didn't bring up the Mexican thing at all and just said what you said here tonight? Because look, you're being sued. I understand we did an analysis of your lawsuits history and you win most of your lawsuits. You're a big guy. Guys are going to come after you. You know that. So wouldn't it have been better if you just said, look, I don't think I'm being treated fairly. Here's, here's what we have and, and let the Mexican thing alone. Well, the question was asked to me, you know, I mean, all these times, every time I go, I want to talk about how lousy the economy is. I want to talk about how badly we're doing against ISIS, how badly we're doing on the border. But every time I go into a show, all they want to do is talk about Trump University. Now, I will say this. I think we've turned it because thousands and thousands of students have signed documents saying it was a great school, that they learned a lot. It was wonderful. They gave it high marks. I mean, I think we've turned it. So at least by talking about it, people understand it's a civil lawsuit that should have been dismissed a long time ago. But the judge is treating me very unfairly. All right. See, you know, the funny thing about this is, is that the thing that makes this doubly, it really is despicable, unless you have proof that a guy did something because of his Mexican heritage, unless you have some reason to believe, you know, you've done the research or he's made a comment or something, you know, you just, you don't go racial on a guy who's doing his job, not in America, I mean, come on, you know, that's, the left may do that, the left may see everything that a white cop can't do his job, the left does it all the time, oh, you were a white cop and you pulled the trigger, you must have been a racist, they do it all the time, and nobody scores the New York Times for it, nobody scores it, but they'll come after Trump, but the problem problem is this really is who Trump is. And the thing that really bugs me about this is who cares? I mean, is, is Trump University, is the outcome of this lawsuit going to get you a job? Is it going to bring peace is it to the Middle East? Is it going to do, you know, turn the economy around? He says he wants to talk about those things, but if he wants to talk about them, let him talk about them. He's not talking about them. He's talking about this thing that only matters to him. And by the way, you know, I have to mention this. Uh, David French, as I thought he should, the writer from NRO, he, he decided he was not going to run third party. I thought that was the right thing to do. But now he comes out and he tells the story of people... Trump's agents calling his house, and worse than that, uh, well, let, let him tell it. David French talks about what Trump's people did to him. It was probably one of the more ham-handed attempts at intimidation, which out of the Trump operation, you can expect yeah. things to be done in the most incompetent way what possible. What uh, In individual calls, he said, I I'm sorry, but uh, I've been asked by the Trump campaign to make sure that, you know, David knows that this will be really, really bad for him. Um, which, you know, I actually learned about this threatening? after I made the decision. I, I, I assumed if I did this, look, I have been uh, up against Trump for some time. Yeah. And the assaults on my family have been overwhelming just as a writer. I mean, the, the, as everyone knows, Trump has an online racist mob that he often stokes by retweeting some of these horrible white supremacists. As his, that online racist mob is very fond of pointing out, I have a multiracial family. And so they have gone after oh my, my youngest daughter in the worst way imaginable. The worst way. It's one of the things. They've, that, they've, well, I'm they've sorry. Attacked, they've attacked you for having a multiracial family. Uh, oh, 
You have no idea. Uh, uh, threats. Uh, I've had neighbors who, this is months ago. Before. I like the fact that they're shocked. I mean, this is stuff we've been going through here forever. I, I, David has a, um, I think he adopted a girl from Ethiopia. She's, I mean, she's gorgeous. I mean, she's like this beautiful little child, big smile on face, and they're, you know, but we all, we all at the Daily Wire know this stuff well. I get it, uh, you know, the anti-Jew stuff and all this, and, and Shapiro gets it in spades. It is as ugly as it's possible to be, and we don't attribute it to Trump, except Trump doesn't disavow it and he doesn't do anything to stop it and they these guys sense something in Trump that he awakens in them that that brings them out and you know I have stopped making predictions about this election I've just gotten out of the prediction business because there's so many twists and turns so many surprises I'm sure there'll be more but if you were to just take where we are now and follow the line the trend we're looking at a genuine electoral disaster I mean if just going straight forward you know, and knowing what the press is going to do, knowing who Trump is, knowing who Hillary is and how they're going to support her and all this stuff. Not only is Trump would would Trump lose if if present trends continued going on from now, but every single person who has said a nice thing about him, every single Republican politician who has bit the bullet and supported him is going to get it in the neck because suddenly they're all going to be have this stuff attributed to them. And in some ways, you know, we deserve it. This is going to be the end of the party. For the rest of us, it, it doesn't matter in a way uh, who you vote for. We're not going to get what we want. We're conservatives. We're going to get shafted in this election. The thing we're going to have to really start talking about seriously is how we start to rebuild. I mean, that is the only thing. Because this, I mean, it's, it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be comical because human corruption is comical and entertaining. But it's also going to be a disaster. Uh, unless unless things change, unless things change, and things have changed many times before. All right, stuff I like. I, you know, I started out with John le Carre uh, talking about the night manager, so let me go back to some of John le Carre's classics. If you haven't read or seen the movie The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, uh, I recommend them both. It is one of the great spy novels of all time. He was writing it at a time when James Bond was popular and all this, so that, so that he was writing something really interesting. And the thing that I want to talk about for just a second is the left, when, when, the communi when communism failed, the left took up a new tack. They, they understood that they couldn't promote what had failed and was obviously a disaster and obviously created slavery and economic poverty everywhere. So they took up a new tack. And this, uh, our friend Putin, Vladimir Putin, is an expert in this, <clears throat> is they never say what's right. They only say what's wrong. They only attack everything. So they go to the evangelicals and they say you know uh, you guys th this this place this country America allows homosexuality and the evangelicals say ooh, ooh homosexuality and then they'll go to another group and they'll say well this the blacks and say oh this this country is awful and black but they never say <coughs> where it's better because you know why it's better nowhere it's better nowhere this is the best and the thing about the Soviet Union is it focused people's attention on that and so what Le Carre did Le Carre I think is a, a, a li liberal that's my guess but I'm pretty sure it's true. He, what he did was he understood that the West had a lot of moral emptiness, had a lot of moral problems, but it was better than this slave state. And the reason, the reason nobody wants to, the le on the left wants to talk about Islam is because it focuses, or we'll say Islamism, let's be fair, let's say Islamism, the radical Islam, nobody wants to talk about it, is because it focuses you on what's great about this country and why this system, with all its terrible, terrible problems, all its ignorance, all its stupidity, all its Donald Trumps and Hillary Clintons, is still a 
remarkable thing we've got going, worth preserving, worth fighting for, because it's not that. It's not the mistreatment of women. It's not the misuse of God. It's not the use of God to oppress people and kill people. It's not. You know, it may, it may have all these flaws. So here's a scene, Richard Burton and I think it's Oscar Werner. Uh, Richard Burton plays a spy, an American uh, British spy, who has gone, pretended to gone, go over to the East Germans so he can get information that he needs. So he is actually pretending to be a traitor, and Oscar Werner is questioning him, trying to get it out of him. And here's this kind of complex exchange they have. Don't you mind giving up your country? What the hell's my country done for me? I worked for the service for 18 years, and they kicked me out as if it had been 18 minutes. Why did you work for them? Well, the money. Only money? It was a job. You would have done it anywhere for anyone? I'm a technician, Fiedler. Just a technician. But not a communist technician. Oh, for God's sake. I don't believe in Father Christmas. I don't believe in God or Karl Marx. I don't believe in anything that rocks the world. But how do you sleep? You have to have a philosophy. I reserve the right to be ignorant. That's the Western way of life. I couldn't have put it better myself. You think ignorance a valuable contribution to world knowledge? You fight for ignorance. Go to hell. <laughs> Look, all I want to know is why. What's the motor? As a matter of fact, I invented the combustion engine and the two-way nappy. I'm a hero of the Soviet Union. I wear the Order of Lenin on my rump. I'm a man, you fool. Don't you understand? A plain, simple, muddled, fat-headed human being. We have them in the West, you know. <laughs> it's a great exchange, and it's a terrific movie and a, an excellent, excellent book, The Spy Who Came In From the Cold by John le Carre. Tomorrow we'll have the results from California and other places, those other places that, whose names we can't even think of. New Jersey's one of them, but that's on the East Coast where things matter. you know. <laughs> but we'll have all the results, and we'll talk about what it all means and where we stand. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Be there tomorrow. I'll see you then, and we'll have the mailbag. Yay. Yay. <laughs>